0: Good morning. It's great to be with you. My name is Jonas. I'm one of the pastors here. I'm excited about this morning. And um, man, I just love that God has uh, given us these times that we can gather together and worship. I'm very thankful. I hope you heard that. I think most of you did, but some of you uh, may have arrived a little bit after the announcements. Um, we were raising money during Advent in Action for our local schools and really wanting to help some of the people in great need during this season And friends, because of your generosity this week and in the weeks ahead, we'll be able to distribute a check of over $38,000 to our community, and I just want to say thank you. You guys are awesome, and God is good, and it's just one of those amazing places where we get to see God at work. I love it. I love that, kind of like what we see with Joseph in that little kid's video, that, that God has blessed us to be a blessing, and that's a key theme throughout all of Scripture, and I hope that you're enjoying this series that we're, that we're in right now about the eternally focused life that, that I'm just grateful to Pastor Andy for allowing me to step in and, and for leading us and, and really inviting us to lift our eyes up. You know, we're living in the here and now, certainly, and we're, we're not trying to escape that, but we want to keep our eyes focused on Jesus in this season, and what a great invitation that is. If you have your scripture with you, or if you have the Bible app, I would encourage you to turn to Isaiah uh, chapter 55. We'll head that direction here in a few minutes. Um, I want to um, just relay to you some of the scriptures that came to mind this week as I was studying and processing how in my life I needed some reminders about um, how do we keep an eternity eternally focused life. How do we do that in the here and now with all that's going on? And, and one of the themes that stands out to me is this reminder that God is on the throne. And so a lot of what, we talk, what I talk to you about today will probably just be a good reminder. Uh, it's probably stuff you've already heard, things you know, but I want to reinforce for you and, and help set an echo in your mind that God is on the throne, and there's some tremendous scriptures that you could read, and I just want to highlight, I'm going to go through them kind of quickly here, and if you're like me, uh, you might need to close your eyes, just focus, whatever you need to do, you do that, and, uh, and, and just listen to the word of God as we reflect on this reality that our God, the great I am that we sang of, he is seated in the heavenly realm, and he is in charge. And nothing that happens to us comes by surprise, but he desires to relate to us. Let's, let's listen uh, to some of those scriptures. Reading from Isaiah 66, Heaven is my throne, and earth is my footstool. Psalm 11, The Lord is in his holy temple. Let the Lord's throne is in heaven. Psalm one hundred three nineteen, The Lord has established his throne in the heavens, and his sovereignty rules over all. Hebrews 8, Now, the point in what we are saying is this. We have such a high priest, speaking of Jesus, one who is seated at the right hand of the throne of the majesty in heaven. Hebrews 12. Therefore, since we are surrounded by so great a cloud of witnesses, let us also lay aside every weight and sin which clings so closely. And let us run with endurance the race that is set before us, looking to Jesus, the founder and perfecter of our faith, who for the joy that was set before him endured the cross, despising the shame, and is seated at the right hand of the throne of God. Reading from Philippians 2. Therefore God has highly exalted him and bestowed on him the name that is above every name, so that at the name of Jesus every knee should bow in heaven and on earth and under the earth, and every tongue confess that Jesus Christ is Lord to the glory of God the Father. The words of Jesus, God is spirit, and those who worship him must worship him in spirit and in truth. Please join me as I pray. Heavenly Father, thank you that we can open your word today. Thank you, God, for this uh, privilege we have of gathering as the people of God to worship and to praise you. Father, I pray that you would open our minds to what you want to teach us, open our hearts to be moved by your Spirit, open our ears to hear, and then, Lord, direct our feet and our hands that we might not just be blessed, but be a blessing to others. Help us to share the grace that we've received from you. In Jesus' name, amen. The first point I want to bring to you today is that when your world turns upside down, remember that God is on the throne. We're going to be looking here in just a minute to Isaiah chapter 55, but when I make the phrase, remember when your world is turned upside down, um, I don't think I have to convince anybody that their world's been turned upside down. Um, So I'm I'm assuming that, that you've experienced this some point in your life where things didn't just work out like you had thought they would work out. And sometimes that's a very dramatic experience, sometimes it's just in the day-to-day stuff of things aren't working quite right, and your world gets turned upside down, expectations don't meet reality, and I want to encourage you when that happens to remember that God is on the throne. Reading from Isaiah chapter 55, uh, hoping to focus this morning on verses 8 and 9, I'm going to back up just a little bit because I think Isaiah has a good word for us this morning. Brothers and sisters in Christ, when your world is turned upside down, allow that to be an invitation to you to remember that the world is not as it is supposed to be. And in so many ways, as much as as it is in your, um, your reality and your experience, I would encourage you in that moment to turn back to God, and in so many ways, in repentance Now, not every upside down is going to be because you did something wrong, but that repentance might just be in a a, a posture of saying, God, help me to remember that this is not how it's supposed to be, that you are in charge, you're on the throne, and our sin has created this mess. Isaiah 55, verse 7, that let the wicked forsake his way and the unrighteous man his thoughts. Let him return to the Lord, that he may have compassion on him and to our God, for he will abundantly pardon you see, the very nature of God is a God of compassion and a God who seeks to have relationship with you and wants to pardon you through His Son Jesus. When your world turns upside down, remember that God is on his throne. Friends, I think about the story of Joseph, and I think about if you took different snapshots through his life, that moment when, when Dad just treats him extra special and he feels that blessing of that, but really it becomes a curse. When his life is rescued and he's and he's trafficked and he becomes a victim of human trafficking, and, and the Lord then gives him favor in Potiphar's house. You take a snapshot in time, and there's moments where it just seems like everything's going great, and then everything's going terrible. Everything's going great, and then everything's going terrible. Whatever part of that is in your experience, I want to encourage you to remember that God is on the throne, and that His thoughts are not our thoughts, His ways are not our ways. Just as the heavens are higher than the earth, so are his ways higher than our ways and his thoughts than our thoughts. We don't know the full picture. We know that the world is being turned upside down and we know that God is in control. So let us turn to him in repentance and in seeking his compassion. As I say that, it reminds me of some of the messages we heard from just a few months or weeks before Christmas. You might remember these words of Jesus where he says, I'm the bread of life. Whoever comes to me shall not hunger, and whoever believes in me shall never thirst. He said also, if anyone thirsts, let him come to me and drink. You see, it's in Christ that we find our satisfaction. And in this overflow of experiencing the grace of Christ, we can then share that with others. God doesn't bless his people that we would just hoard his blessing and that we would simply enjoy them for ourselves. Those blessings are a gift. The grace which we have received is is gifted to us that we might share it with others. Friends, it's a beautiful portrait of a God who sees and a God who cares. And it's not just that our world sometimes feels like it gets turned over and upside down, but if you're like me, and I, and I don't assume you are, um, you know, there's a lot of pressure on different people in different contexts here. And, and one of the pressures I felt this week, and as we talked at Power Lunch with my friend, um, one of the pressures we feel most of us are in this experience is just this incredible, oppressive amount of data and information that comes our way every day. I mean, this is a, this is a challenging time to be alive. If you think about the history of, of, of humanity, we're in a time where it is just absolute information overload, and we're having so many experiences at, at such full speed, and, and there's this expectation for some of us that, like, so we should have a quick answer, or, or we should be able to sort this stuff out quickly, or, or we, should, we should be real quick to post on social media, you know, where we stand on this really complex issue, when in reality, we're just overwhelmed by the data, And even for those who really want to say something quickly, there's an invitation here to back up a minute and go, hey, God's in charge. I think about, you know, if I was Joseph and I was making those posts along the way, like, wow, guys, look at this, I'm the leader of Pharaoh. Uh, Never mind, I'm in jail. You know, the speed of how life is changing, life gets turned upside down, and there's moments when we don't know what to say and we don't know what to do. And if that's you this morning, I want to invite you to remember that God... Is on the throne. And with that, I want to turn to Romans chapter 8. This passage will be familiar to you. When you don't know what to say or do, remember that God is on the throne. And listen to this helpful text, verse 26. In the same way, the Spirit helps us in our weakness. We don't know what we ought to pray for, but the Spirit Himself intercedes for us through wordless groans. And He who searches our hearts knows the mind of the Spirit, because the Spirit intercedes for God's people in accordance with the will of God. James Denny, one-time principal of the Free Church College in Edinburgh, called this passage the most daring anticipation of faith that the New Testament contains. Denny said this because the word glorified is in the past tense. Believers are spoken of as already glorified. Their glorification is that certain. Here on earth, we comprise an incredible array of individuals, but when we get to heaven, we will all be like Jesus. We will retain our individuality, but we will also have Christ's character, the same gentleness, the same self-control, and the same perfect love. So if you find yourself this morning with your world turned upside down or you're, you're processing life and you're not sure what to say or do, I encourage you to put your nose and your eyes back in this text and to hear these words of comfort, the Spirit helps us in our weakness. We don't know what to pray for, but the Spirit is interceding for us. And what a beautiful thought that God has predestined those who will believe, and he's called them out, and he's calling them, and he's justifying, and one day he will glorify them. And Paul is so certain of that glorification that his language here, uh, you you just can't miss it. If you zoom out far enough, and you see, and you're God, and you're above time and space, it's an already done reality. But here we live in the process of growing in Christ, and we have an incredible opportunity to remember that, in fact, God is in charge. Well, one of the things that I enjoy doing is, is just taking opportunity with folks and saying, "Where have you seen God at work lately?" And you'll probably hear this whenever I speak. I just love these stories. Where have you seen God at work? And um, last week, uh, or two weeks ago, I forget the, the, the timeline. Um, we were talking as a team. You know, where, how do you how do you sense? Or how do you know when God is speaking to you? How do you know when God is leading you? And that conversation came out, and then a a friend called me and said, Jonas, how do you know when God is leading you? And I said, hey, man, before we do anything else, let's establish this. The word of God is authoritative. He has spoken. There's something special and significant about the Bible, and so when you have an experience and, and you sense like God is leading you, that humble yourself before the word and before your experience, say, God, is this you? Can I follow you? Or, or maybe the Lord will use this, the community of believers around you to spur you on towards love and good deeds. You know, these are things that come from Scripture. It was a great conversation. I didn't think much about, uh, of it until the next day because that afternoon, I think it was a Tuesday, around 4 o'clock, I got a phone call from my friend Mike. Now, I'm not going to tell you everybody's name because I'm trying to protect some of the privacy here, but Mike called me. He's a guy that watches online, and Mike, if you're there, I love you. Thanks for being a part of our church online. It's awesome. Um, he, he lives a couple hours away, and um, the Lord had brought a person in his life, his B, uh, into his life as a man that he really cares for, and he knew that B was going to be having some, some challenges this week, medical kind of stuff. And he said, Jonas, I can't be there. I live two hours away. Can you represent me? Can you go, can you go check out my friend B? Like, absolutely, makes sense. Hang up the phone, feeling pretty good about life, and then Kirsten walks down the hall and she says, hey, Jonas, there's some guy on the phone, he's from another state, and he wants you to check on some guy that's having some medical thing happening, can you take the call? Sure, I can take the call. So a guy whose first name starts with D, I say, hey, I'm expecting Mike, I don't get Mike hey, this is D. I live in Yakima, Washington, and I've got this friend, and he starts describing B's situation. So I interrupt him. I'm like, is there any way you're calling me about B? And he says, how do you know that? I said, oh, your friend Mike called me. He's like, I don't know Mike. Okay. So we back up, right? And I'm like, how do you know B and this kind of stuff? And he's like, Jonas, I've been praying for this guy for years. I, I, I get the impression over 10 years. The, the, the Lord would just remind him that, that, that he sees him and that he cares for, for him. And, and, and I don't know you, but but I and I said, Oh yeah, how did you find me? He said, I Googled you. Google found you. And then I start to shake a little bit. Because I'm like, Lord, something's weird here. This doesn't happen to me every day. And when I ask and answer the question, where do you see God at work? Friends, I saw God at work. And and, and it And the next phone call I made, you better believe, was to be and to say, hey, man, you don't know me. Um, I met this guy, I met this guy, and they called, and I just got to confess to you, like, as a pastor, this doesn't happen every day. You know, you might assume that does. It doesn't. Um, But I want you to know that with everything within me, I think God wants you to know that he sees you and he cares for you, and he just wants to remind you that, that he's for you. And lest you think I think I'm the hero in that story, I think those people are the hero." we are praying for their friends. I think God is the hero because he orchestrated all those details. And it's it was incredible to be a part of that. And we're in process, guys. I don't know where this story is gonna end, but I know that God does these things, that there are times when we don't know what to say and we don't know what to do. And we just simply have to remember, God, you're in charge. Your thoughts are not my thoughts. Your ways are not my ways. And I'm gonna trust you. Because like me, you probably have those moments where, Life just doesn't make sense, and you need these reminders. Well, let's jump over to the story of Joseph. If you turn to Genesis chapter 50, um, you who are here in the audience and online, you got to watch a really cute kid's video. And, And my third point is this. When the world turns against you, remember that God is on the throne. You see, Joseph lived this experience of his world turning against him time after time after time, and he needed to remember that God is on the throne. And it's interesting, at the end of of, uh, Genesis, chapter 50, there's a really curious thing that's taking place. And if if you uh, aren't aware of it, you can kind of miss this. But but Joseph has been uh, number two in Egypt. He's been caring for the people. He's representing God's blessing, and then that's being distributed and caring for a tremendous amount of people. And not just any people, but his brothers who betrayed him and his dad, Well, at the end of the chapter, his dad dies 17 years after living with him in Egypt. So they've had 17 years to experience the tremendous blessing of being close to Joseph and and receiving from him. But watch what happens in verse 15. Uh, When Joseph's brothers saw that their father was dead, they said, it may be that Joseph will hate us and pay us back for all this evil that we did to him. So they sent a message to Joseph saying, your father gave this command before he died. Say to Joseph, Please forgive the transgression of your brothers and their sin because they did evil to you. And now, please forgive the transgression of the servants of the God of your father. And Joseph wept when they spoke to him. His brothers also came, and they fell down before him, and they said, Behold, we are your servants. But Joseph said to them, Do not fear, for am I in the place of God? As for you, you meant evil against me, but God meant it for good, to bring it about that many people should be kept alive as they are today. So do not fear. I'll provide for you and your little ones. And thus he comforted them, and he spoke kindly to them. Seventeen years wasn't enough to convince them of his good nature, and they came to him afraid, and he reminded them again of his character, that he had forgiven them, and that he would care for them, and I love his posture. Joseph had no desire to play God. Did you notice that in the text? Verse 19, he says, Joseph says, hey, look, don't be afraid. I'm not God here. That, that's a good posture for us to be in when the world is against us. I, I, don't, I don't know the whole full story yet. I know where it's going but but I don't know all the details yet. And then second, Joseph told his brothers not to fear because having no desire to play God, he discerned that God was providentially involved in their evil. He says, as for you, you meant evil against me, but God meant it for good, to bring it about that many people should be kept alive as they are today. Friends, through the sins of wicked men, God works good. God can take these sinful, evil things and work about his good plans. Now, please don't ever call what is evil good or what is good evil, but know that in the midst of evil, God can be working out good things. You know, a real popular verse is Jeremiah twenty-nine, eleven. It says, For I know the plans I have for you, declares the Lord, plans for wholeness and not for evil, to give you a future and a hope. These words were written to the people of God who were on their way to captivity in the midst of a wicked empire. God says, I know the plans I have for you. They're to prosper you. God told his people that in the midst of this wicked empire, they should seek the welfare of the city. They should not simply... um, hoard and contain the blessing of God which was theirs, but they should share that among those that they are near, that the grace that they have experienced should be the grace that they then share with others around them. I'm thankful for this quote. The doctrine of providence tells us that the world and our lives are not ruled by fate, but by God, who lays bare his purposes of providence in the incarnation of his Son." You see, friends, all of human history is leading to a day when Jesus Christ will return. And the book of Revelation tells us that the tears that we have will be wiped away and there will be no more pain and no more death. But until then, we should expect that there will be moments when the world is turned upside down and we don't know what to say or do and the world turns against us. You might remember the words of Jesus where he said something like, do not be dismayed. Uh, I have overcome the world. We should expect these things. It was the same Jesus who said, but I, I say to you, love your enemies and do good to those who hate you. Here's the final thought. Because God is on the throne, you can be confident that he who began a good work and you will carry it on to completion until the day of Christ Jesus. Now, if you have your Bibles and you want to flip closer to the right there, there's a passage in Philippians I'm going to read for you from Philippians chapter 1. Let, let me just set the context for you, because it's been a while since, since I had studied it, and I remembered this. In Acts chapter 16, there's a direct tie back over to Philippians. You see, in Acts 16, Paul was, was going about as a missionary, and he, he, he came upon the, the city called Philippi, And he was sharing the gospel, and he was rejected by the Jewish people. And then he went to a place where they prayed down by the river, and he met a woman named Lydia. And she was a a wonderful uh, small business owner or trader in purple. I don't know how small her business was, but she was well-respected, and she came to Christ. She came to believe. And then others were coming to believe, and the the city leaders couldn't stand it, so they put Paul and, and his his companions in jail, and while in jail, the Lord brought about a miracle, and and the earth shook, and the jail doors flew open, and in that moment, the jailer thought his life was over. You see, if those inmates escape, he's going to be murdered by his boss. His life will be taken for theirs, and so he he literally, the text tells us that he considers taking his own life, and Paul cries out, don't do it, we're still here, (laughs) and the jailer says, what must I do to be saved? What is going on? And the jailer and his entire family come to Christ. And God births this beautiful young church in the midst of some chaotic things in a, in a culture that can't stand the message of Jesus. And then Paul, while sitting in a jail cell, writes back to these friends in Philippi. Listen to what he says to them. He writes, I thank my God every time I remember you and all my prayers for all of you I always pray with joy because of your partnership in the gospel from the first day until now, being confident of this, that he who began a good work in you will carry it on to completion until the day of Christ Jesus. Friends, Paul, while sitting in a jail cell, his world turned upside down, maybe not knowing what to say, but trusting the Spirit to lead him with the world turned against him, writes to his friends back in Philippi, when I think of you, my heart is full of joy because of this partnership that we share in the gospel, and I am confident, resolute. Think, verse six, this this idea of confidence, it is this steadfast, I am convinced with all that I am that he who began a work in you will carry it on to completion until the day of Christ Jesus. You see, brothers and sisters, there is a day that is coming, when Jesus Christ will return. And the scripture says, like, the trumpet will sound and the dead in Christ will rise first. And then those who are in Christ will rise together to be with Jesus for eternity. And there's this beautiful portrait of it. All of human history is leading this direction. But until then, we're called to faithful obedience, to remembering that God is on the throne And like Paul, we can have confidence that he who began a good work in us will bring it to completion until the day of Christ Jesus. I'm thankful for the preacher, Charles Stanley. He said, God is faithful to finish what he starts. Once we accept Christ as our Savior, the work of sanctification begins, and it continues. There's always more to walking with God than we've known, than we've seen, than we've learned or experienced. You see, friends, on the day you believe, The scriptures declare that you are justified. You are made right with God through his son, Jesus. And then begins a process of growing you to be more and more like Jesus. And then one day, when Christ returns, you will be glorified. And as you zoom way out, remember that text that says it's as if you are already glorified? There's such confidence that this is going to happen, that we can give our lives to this. My prayer for you this week is that this verse would become an anchor for your soul, that he who began a good work in you will carry it on to completion until the day of Christ Jesus. Salvation is a work of God. He is inviting you to know him, to love him, to trust him, to turn to him, that you might receive the compassion he longs to give you, through his son Jesus, by the work of the Spirit of God. And while Paul was in prison, he was absolutely confident that this good work of the gospel would succeed in our glory in being with Jesus. Paul was confident in the word to Lydia and confident to the jailer, to all the saints. And it's a promise that you or I can anchor our souls to. That when the world turns upside down, we can remember that God is on the throne. When we really don't know what to say or do, we can remember that God is on the throne. When the world or our flesh or our enemy wars against us, we can remember that God is on the throne. Jesus said it would be this way. We can trust him. The challenges we face as a community and worldwide do not catch our Heavenly Father by surprise. And I want to encourage you to remember that God is on the throne. He's in charge. And we can trust him. Let's pray together. Heavenly Father, thank you for your word, which points us to your son Jesus, for your spirit who illuminates this word that we might see and we might hear, that we might be led by you into those places of obediently sharing the blessings that we've received from you, the greatest of which is your son, Jesus. God, we pray for our church family this morning. Lord, I think of those who are battling significant illnesses today. Lord, would you please bring relief? Lord, I think of my friends here in this audience who have lost loved ones in the recent past and who grieve deeply God, would you minister to them in their pain? Would you overwhelm them with your presence and, and Lord, surprise them with your peace? Lord, I have a lot of friends uh, who work in the school district, and there's some increased anxiety this week in our region with schools being in or out and back and all these kinds of things. And I pray for them, God, that you would grant them peace in the midst of their anxiety, that you give them hope and joy, For the medical workers that are part of our church family, Lord, here, I pray that you would buoy them up and remind them of the great joy that you have in them. Lord, for each person who hears my voice, I pray that you would whisper in their ear the love that you have for them. That they would not leave this place wondering, does God really love me? But they would leave this place confident in your sovereign care. And Lord, our world is a broken world. We don't always know what to say. We don't always know what to do. And and Lord, we just confess again that we believe with all that we are that you who began a good work in us, you are going to bring it to completion. And so we pray, Lord, that you would send your son Jesus soon. It's in his name that we've prayed. Amen.